As I was preparing for tonight, I was thinking, uh, God wants us to know his word. I keep thinking about that as I prepare sermons. God wants us to know his word. He wants us uh, to have them, to hold them, to understand them. He doesn't try to hide it from us. He doesn't play games with us and make it some sort of riddle or something that we have to solve. He doesn't use his word as a carrot that he holds out in front of us. He actually wants us to have his word. He sends us his word. He preserves his word. He raises up people to proclaim his word. He gives us his word. And I started thinking about all the places in Scripture where this is true, where we can watch uh, what is happening, we can read what is happening, we can see where God gives them his word. Now, I started making a list, but I'll just tell you, uh, over and over and over again throughout the history recorded in Scripture, God is found giving his word, giving his word, wanting us to have his word. Well, I'll just tell you, that is, I believe, what we are seeing uh, on Sunday nights. And here's what I've decided about Sunday nights. Sunday nights, I believe, are the golden corral of God's wisdom. Uh, I believe it is a, a buffet of God's wisdom. And you can get all you want, and you can get all that you can get. Now, that's exciting to us when we go to the golden corral. I don't know how you are when you go there, but I get excited. Uh, I'll go in there, and I'll get things I wouldn't normally get. I'll see something, and I'll think, you know what? Uh, gizzards. I haven't had that. I'll get two of those. Uh, and, and we'll get stuff that we don't have at home, and we get excited about all the things at the Golden Corral. Uh, guess what? In our study of God's Word, He has laid it out for us. And I think about the book of Proverbs, it is the Golden Corral of God's wisdom. He has given it to us, and we can have all that we can take. Uh, tonight in our study, we're going to move to the 30th chapter. We just finished a five chapter section of warnings and instructions given to us by God. Now, if you remember, as we go through those five chapters, uh, those are very practical things. God says, uh, do these things. Uh, here's some things not to do, some things to avoid. And then he, he warns us and said, here's some things to be aware of. Look for this type of person or look for this type of situation. And he gives us a bunch of warnings as well. Well, Tonight we move to the 30th chapter, coming off of this, after this five-chapter run, and tonight there's going to be a change in what we're reading, what we're studying. Uh, this section is one of two sections. Uh, the other is going to be the 31st chapter, which we will get to very shortly. But this section is one of two sections that are in addition to the wisdom revealed through Solomon. Now, this is God's Word. It is still God's Word. But the, this uh, section, the section that's going to follow, are two sections that are in addition to the wisdom that's revealed through Solomon. Uh, this chapter that we're looking at tonight, the 30th chapter, was most likely recorded and organized and then given to us, added by King Hezekiah's scribes. Now, remember the story of, of King Hezekiah. He was a good king. He is remembered as a good king of Judah, and he led a turning back to God. Now, the way he did that is he led a turning back to the Word of God, and when he did that, it brought a revival in the nation. It brought a revival in the land. Now, that's what King Hezekiah did. That's what he's remembered for. Uh, be sure tonight, and I'll just tell you, 
That is the pattern. I think about patterns that we see. That is the pattern. For us tonight, for us today, to see a revival, for us to see uh, God bless us uh, as a nation, as a culture, as a church, uh, we're going to need a vast turning to the, to the Word of God. And that's the, that's the pattern, that's the formula. Uh, we sometimes think, oh, I wish it was like this again, or I remember when it was like this in these days, or you know what, I've never seen a revival like this. That's going to occur when there is a turning to God's Word. Now, I started thinking about that. Uh, I can't, in fact, I'll tell you, think of a certain situation, uh, a certain problem uh, that would not get better if there were not a turning to God's Word. And I think about the moral problems we have. I think about the financial, economic problems we have. I think about uh, all the sorts of things, the political things uh, that we have going on. I can't think of really any problem that would not get better if we would turn to God's Word. And so that's what we have here in our study. All right, let's look at our verses tonight. Um, tonight we're going to look at the first six verses. Uh, I will work you through the verses. We'll move through the verses verse by verse. All right, we are in chapter 30. The first verse says this. The words of Agur, the son of Jake, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Eucal. Let me read that verse again. The words of Agur, the son of Jake, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Eucal. The Bible tells us these are the words of Agur. Uh, he, this is the only time we're going to find him in Scripture here in this 30th chapter. Uh, we do not know anything about him except what is recorded right here. And so there's not some other account where he ties in. There's not some other account that informs us of him. This is all we know of him. And what we do know is recorded uh, right here. I can tell you from this verse, uh, we know his dad is Jake. Um, it says the words, the oracle. Um, those really are titling what we're about to read. And so it's not saying Jake was an oracle, but this section is. And that's the title for what we're about to study, what we're about uh, to look in. Uh, this section, what we're about to read, it is declared to Ithiel and Eucal. Now, these guys, we're not sure anything about them. We do not know anything about these. These may have been uh, some of his family members. These may have been some of his friends. But we do know this of these guys. They were his audience. And so he is speaking to them. This is the oracle uh, that he gives to them. The words of Agur, the son of Jake, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Eucal. Okay, let's go to verse 2. Surely I am more stupid than any man. And I do not have the understanding of a man. This is how he starts off. Surely I'm more stupid than any man. And I do not have the understanding of a man. Here in verse 2, uh, Agor is frustrated. And maybe he is being honest with us here in this verse. Now from the context when we read this verse, evidently he has wanted wisdom. He has wanted understanding. And evidently, he has taken some time, he's made some effort in the pursuit 
of it. He has looked for it. And his conclusion as he starts his, 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 his oracle tonight is this. He doesn't know anything. He says, I've been looking for it. I've wanted wisdom. I've wanted understanding. But I'll just level with you. I do not know anything. He says here, I am more stupid than any man. The second part of that verse, I'm just an animal. I don't know anything. I'm more stupid than any man. The word stupid here is a word that translates a brute, senseless, foolish, dumb. He says, I am am the most stupid person, stupid man you've ever met. Now, I'll just tell you, when you read that, that seems like Agur is off to a bad start. And I read that and I say, well, he's, he's in a bad place. And we find him off to a bad start. Now let me set, the, let's set the, the, the tone here. This is actually a good place. This is actually a good start for this man. Now I want you to think about this. How many people do you know? How many people, especially in our braggadocious day, how many people think they know it all? And I don't care what the subject is. They think they know it all. And you know what, I don't need any instruction when it comes to that. I I, I know all the things, and they think they're smart, and they have all the answers. And they think if they don't have the answers, if they can just sit down long enough, they're so smart, they'll come up with the answers. They will devise the answers. Well, Agur is the opposite of that. He says, I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to find wisdom, and I am stupid. I know nothing. That's actually a pretty good place to start. All right, verse 3. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Now I want you to see what Agar says here. He says, I've tried to look for knowledge. I've tried to find it, and I've failed. But he adds something to it here in the third verse. He says, but... Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. So he says, I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to find understanding, and I failed at that. But he says, more than that, on top of that, neither have I found true wisdom. Neither do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Here's what Agur has found out, and that is this. True wisdom is found only in God. True wisdom. Wisdom is found alone in God. God alone has true wisdom. And so he says here, and really he is bemoaning the fact, not only did I not find any knowledge in the world, but while I was wasting my time with that, I didn't find any wisdom from God either. I didn't find the wisdom of God. I don't even know his truths. Let me tell you something. I think... That may be one of the saddest things ever. How do you live to please God? How do you live to be blessed by God? How do you avoid trouble and chaos in your life? How do you live in peace? I want to tell you the world would love to find some way to live in peace. How do you have peace in your relationships? How do you have peace with other people? How do you have peace with God? How how are you at peace in yourself? It is in taking in and receiving and living by God's wisdom. 
And this is what the guy is saying here. You know what? I, I went out in the world and I tried to find understanding. And while I did it, I didn't find the wisdom of God either. And I've wasted that opportunity as well. How sad it is to have had the word of God. How sad it is to have the wisdom from God to walk into the golden crowd of wisdom and to have missed it. And that's what he's saying in the third verse. I didn't, I didn't find God's wisdom. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know, understand who God was, and he has missed it. Let me, let me be honest with you, and I'll just tell you this. One of the hard parts of being a preacher, of preaching up here, and I'll just tell you, after 17 years, it is, it is something I can't get used to. It's something I cannot get over. But one of the hard things is once I preach something, it's gone. And those words float off and they are gone. Some folks are here and they're listening. They get it. Some folks are here. They're not listening. Uh, it just travels over them. It may be recorded in some way. Maybe prayerfully somebody will find it. But for the, for the most part, once the words are spoken and the truth goes out, it's gone. And here's the deal. If you missed it, you missed it. If God had a message for you, and I'll just tell you, if we're preaching the word of God, he did have a, a message for you. If God had a message for you, and those words have gone out somewhere, and you missed it, for whatever reason, you have missed the word of God. You have missed the message of God. And I'll just tell you, I can't ever get over that. I think about what God has said I think about the message this morning and some of the words that we were introduced to, and I think, you know what, if you didn't catch that, if you didn't hear that, you have missed it. And I, I generally walk out of a service, and I think about the faces. Man, they needed that. And man, the things they're going through in their life, they sure should have heard that. And man, how their heart is broken, they would have done well to have heard that, and they have missed it. Now, last week, Revelation chapter 5. I said it this morning, I think that's probably one of the most awesome chapters to have been able to preach through. What an awesome picture that was. But I, I walked out of that service, and I thought this. You know, this truth is this. Most likely, I'll never preach that chapter again. And I don't know, God may lead us to come back there, and he may lead me to preach through that, but we're going to make this run to the book of Revelation. It's probably going to take us another year and a half but most likely, I walked out of there, and I'll never preach on Revelation chapter 5 again until I see it with my own eyes. Most likely, I'll be there as one of the redeemed of earth, and I'll see that scene, but most likely, I'll never preach on it again. And if somebody missed it, you know what they did? They missed it. If they missed it, they missed it. Agar says here, I didn't get it. I was out looking around in the world trying to find understanding, and I didn't get it. I don't have the wisdom from God. I missed it. Surely I'm more stupid than any man. I do not have the understanding of, of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. I think Agur here has better hopes for Ithiel and Eucal. And I don't know those guys, but when I read this, I think he is standing there and he is he is grieved at what he's missed, but I think he has better hopes for them. Maybe they're younger than him. Maybe he, again, he's related to them. Maybe they're friends of his, but he's telling them, listen, I missed it. Don't you miss it. Now, as we go to verse four, he asks rhetorical questions 
to make his point. All right, verse 4. Here's what he says. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Here's what he's saying. Who has gone and gotten the wisdom of God and brought it down? Do you know anybody that's gone to heaven? Do you know anybody that's heard the wisdom of God and has brought it down to us? It's almost mocking. Has anybody done that is what he says. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? He says, who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who understands the wind? Who can explain that? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. The last part of that verse, now we, we probably have a different perception. Uh, we're going to see that here in a moment. But the end of that verse, here's, he's, here's what he's saying. Who is it? I want you to tell me who it is. Who are we going to listen to? Who, who knows the mind of God? That's what he says. Who has God's wisdom? Give me a name. Tell me what their son's name is. Who has it? Today, we have names that we hold up as people of wisdom. We have names today that we hold up as people that are smart. And we would say, oh, they understand. Oh, we should open an ear to them. Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, Galileo, Stephen Hawking, Charles Darwin, Thomas Edison, the billionaire Paul Allen. There's a whole list of those folks, and those are the folks that we would say, oh, those are smart people. Those are wise people. And if you want to know something, go look, look at what they've said. Go read what they have said. Agur says this. If they do not have God's wisdom, here's what he asks, what do they truly know? And that's what he's asking here. Who, who knows the mind of God? Who's been there and, and brought it down to us? If they do not know God's wisdom, he says, what do they truly know? Be very sure tonight, it sounds dumb, and it sounds unintelligent. It sounds hillbilly and unsophisticated. But I, I want to say it, and we need to say it, and we need to understand it in the day we're living in. The only wisdom that will stand, the only wisdom that will endure, and therefore the only wisdom that is worth pursuing is God's wisdom. Be sure and hear what I just said. The only wisdom that will stand, the only wisdom that will endure, and therefore the only wisdom that's worth expending our effort and our energy on acquiring is the wisdom of God. That's what he's saying here. Who are we going to listen to? Verse 5. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Here's what I'm figuring out. Agur is not as stupid as he claims. Uh, he, he says he's the dumbest person around. Uh, he's not as stupid as he claims. He has come to the right conclusion, and his conclusion here reported in verse 5 is this. God's word will stand. That's what he's teaching. He's telling his two friends, God's word will stand. He says every word of God is Tested. The word for tested here, it means pure, it means tried, it means refined, as in a re refiner's fire, put 
to the test. And so here's what he says here. Every word of God, it will stand. Every word of God, it is dependable. It is trustworthy. In creation, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It will stand. It is trustworthy. In matters of salvation, it will stand about Jesus, his miraculous birth. It will stand. His resurrection, it will stand. What's coming next? What we're studying on Sunday mornings. The word of God, it is dependable. It will stand. Let me tell you something. Our problem is somewhere we let somebody buffalo us and intimidate us into thinking maybe parts of this aren't right. And you know what? My teachers, they said this, and they talked about carbon dating, and they, they talked about these, and they said it's not possible for this thing to happen. And somewhere we got buffalo, we got intimidated and thinking, you know what? Maybe part of this isn't true. Maybe it's not exact. Or maybe this wasn't what God was talking about. And so we say, well, maybe it doesn't matter. He, he tells us how to be saved. That's what matters. But these other parts, you know what? They're for up for interpretation. He says there's two genders. Maybe after that it doesn't matter. Maybe we don't have to hold to that. He says this is what a marriage is. Maybe we don't have to hold to that. He says here's how creation happened. Maybe that doesn't matter as long as we believe in Jesus. Edgar says this. The word of God has been run through the fire. It has been tested and it will stand. Put to the test, God's word will stand. The rest of the verse, he says, he, God, is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Now think about the picture. He's just walking out what he says. To take refuge means to turn to. You take refuge in God, you turn to God. You depend on God. You, the real picture is you get behind God. The actual picture is you get under him. It says, if you will take refuge in him, he is a shield. Now think about what a shield does. A shield protects. I, I don't know if I've ever said it, but listen to me. God's word is the best way to live. God's word is the best way to live. You want to stay out of trouble? You want to walk in the grace of God? You want to have peace in your life? God's word is a shield, and it is a protection to us. Edgar says he was stupid. He's actually very wise here. God's word has been tested, and it will stand. All right, let's see verse 6. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you. And you will be proved a liar. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Therefore, so do not add to his words. Or he will reprove you and you will be found a liar. Here's something to consider. Why would you add to God's words? Why would you add to God's word? I can tell you there's a whole lot of folks today um, outside of outside of Christianity, and they're adding to the Word of God. The Mormons, they've added a couple of books to the Word of God. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they've replaced it with another translation of the Word of God. Uh, there's a lot of folks now coming along in Christian circles, and they're saying, what, we have a new revelation of God, or we have someone that, that can give you a new spin on the Word of God. Well, the question is, why in the world would you add to the Word of God? This is the Word of God. Why would you add to His world? 
word. I, I made a list. Why would you add to God's words? Maybe to make them softer. Maybe to make them less confrontational. Maybe to make them acceptable or today believable. I need to change this up a little bit. This, this story of creation, it didn't happen this way. Let me add some words and make that believable. Maybe to make them match the world's wisdom. You know, the world's wisdom's moved on, and it's evolved, and it's smart. And so maybe we need to add some words to match the world's wisdom. Maybe it's to adapt them to a different purpose. You see, the Word of God is to introduce us to Christ, that we put our faith in Christ and receive Christ and be saved in our Savior Jesus. That's the mission of the Word of God. Maybe if we add to this Word, we'll change its purpose. Maybe it's to appease others. Maybe it's to appease ourselves. Maybe it's to update them. Man, they sure are old. Maybe we need to update these words. Maybe it's because they are insufficient for you. This isn't enough. I need more than this. Maybe it's because you want something else or want something different. We could go on and on and on. But I want to tell you from the very start, people have been adding to his word. Go all the way back to the garden and, and Satan says, Did God truly say from the very start, we've been taken away from his word. Agur has figured it out. And he says, God's word is trustworthy. It is dependable. It will stand. If you're looking for answers, you can go to God's word. And so he says, don't do that. Don't take away. Don't add to God's word. It says this, for he, God, will reprove you. The word reprove means correct you. And you will be proved a liar. Here, here's the deal. Any deviation from the truth, any deviation. Well, what if it's just a little? Any deviation from the truth is a lie. If you have the truth and you change it a word, it is a lie. And here's the thing. Lies will not stand. And the Bible tells us all lies will eventually come to lie. Now, hey, you may pull off your generation not, not revealing your lie. You may think, hey, I got by no one ever found my lie. Listen, God knows. He sees, and every lie will eventually come to lie. Stephen Hawking, theoretical physicist. I don't even know what that means. Cosmologist, author, research director at Cambridge University. One of the most cherished titles in that world, the professor of mathematics also at Cambridge University. He wrote lists of ideas. He wrote lists uh, of, of, of things. He wrote about black holes. Uh, he wrote about expand, the expanding universe. He wrote something that became famous called A Brief History of Time. Now, here's the thing about him. His history of time was actually too brief. and He thought he knew something. He thought he could talk about time. He didn't understand. He was just a blip in time. Uh, this guy clearly denied Christ. Um, he vocally denied the existence of God. He actually mocked that idea. He called the afterlife a fairy tale for people afraid of the dark. He understood and he was self-reliant and he could think and he thought he had a better idea, a better understanding. He thought he could write 
a brief history of time, and he said, anybody that believes in God and believes in the afterlife, that is a fairy tale for people afraid of the dark. He died in 2018. When he died, a lot of weird things happened. One of the weird things, a group took recordings of his words and set them to music, and they went to a satellite in space, and they beamed his words about black holes to the nearest black hole to us. Now, there's, a, there's an address of that black hole. I don't really understand that. But they took his words, and they set it to music, they went up to some satellite in space and they, they pushed those sound waves up to this black hole in space. He is buried at Westminster Abbey. His headstone says, here lies what was mortal of Stephen Hawking. His most famous math formula is there on his headstone. Here's the reality. While his words float somehow into space, they are empty words. But now he has met the word of God, Jesus. And where his conclusions were revealed and will be revealed is not true. I don't care how smart he put it. I don't care how impressive it was. Where his conclusions are revealed is not true. He has met the truth, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, oh, if he could have just sat down his pride long enough to hear the words of the self-proclaimed stupidest man ever. Do you know he had access to these words? Who has ascended to heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. When Agor wrote this, he was asking for a name. Who's the name? I want to tell you this on this side in the New Testament, we know his name. We know the name of his son. His, name, his son's name is Jesus. We have the truth of God's word, and it will stand. And if we will humble ourselves and say, well, I don't have an answer, but I have a Savior that's come and give us the answer, given us the truth. It will stand. Let me, here's how we're going to close tonight. What should we do about that? What should we do about that? Let me, let me tell you what we ought to do in this generation. We need to stay with the Word of God. And we need to study the Word of God. And we need to be consumed with the Word of God. And we need to hear the Word of God. We need to be where the Word of God is preached. We need to defend the Word of God. It will stand. It is truth. When all else has passed away, we can turn and say, we know our Savior, the truth, because of the witness, the testimony of the Word of God. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for your Word. Lord, I come like Agar, and I am sorry for wasted time. And I'm sorry for years that I, I thought I knew something. I thought somebody else might tell me something. And I'm thankful for years that I didn't turn to your word and, and memorize and hear and study and listen and obey your truth. But Lord, here we stand on this night, and I'll tell you, I believe your word is true. And I believe it is gracious to us to show us the Savior, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for us tonight as we hear this, 
that we commit anew tonight being regretful over the days ahead that we would miss your word, that we would neglect your word, that we would stay out of your word. But I pray that we'd be informed by the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that it'll be a blessing to us, most of all, a blessing to you. And I pray in the truth, the knowledge of the truth of Jesus, that we would be spokespeople, that we'd be people that could tell folks there is hope, there is an answer. Lord, I pray in the example of Agur that we would say, Word of God, you can test it, you can trust it, and it will stand. Lord, I come as I pray, as we end this day, as we end this service, uh, thanking you for, for your grace shown to us, your kindness shown to us, for your truth given to us, for the truth, Jesus. Lord, I pray for homes here, I pray for people here, I pray as we go into a, a world that's spinning out of control, that's lost, that's dark, that holds up other ideas of success, Lord, I pray that we will walk pointing to Christ, holding to Christ, speaking and telling of Christ. Pray for marriages here, for moms here, for dads here. Pray, pray for folks, church members here, facing all sorts of things. We know you're our truth. We know you're our anchor, our hope. May we walk steadfastly with you. And then we just end by saying we thank you, we praise you, we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.